Thank you for joining us at Luminous Church. And this morning, we hope that you see Jesus clearly. Luke chapter 10 is where we'll be. We're going to start this series, Love Out Loud. Love Out Loud, the title of this message is, Who's My Neighbor? Turn to your neighbor and say, Who's My Neighbor? Like you don't know, just shrug your shoulders. Who's my neighbor? Turn to your other neighbor and go, you're my neighbor. What's your number? Take me to lunch. Please pay. That would be awesome. Thank you so much for doing that. Luke chapter 10, very familiar passage we have this morning. In fact, um, lost people, those who don't know Jesus, aren't followers of the way would be familiar with this passage as well because it's, it's so evident. And I believe that God's going to show us some stuff through this passage this morning. And I believe that there's some clear action steps um, that we can participate in this morning that I'll clearly define for you. Um, I love Luke um, 10, verse 25 is where we'll start, but I want to back it up two verses to verse 23 and 24. It says, Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things you see. Verse 24, for I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see and have not seen it, and to hear what you hear and have not heard it. Church, I want to tell you it's a privilege. It's a privilege to be able to see Jesus. It's a privilege to be able to see him clearly. It is a, such an opportunity that we have living in these days. That 2,000 years ago, we were able to recount a story of the Son of God walking earth, blameless and perfect, amazing. And, and we get to read his stories and how he's moving and how he's active. And now we get to have sonship and get to be adopted to his kingdom and become sons and daughters of the Most High God, Father God, because of Jesus. Blessed are the eyes which see these things. Church, you and I get to see these things. It's why we've talked about it over and over again, that we get to see Jesus so clearly. And my prayer for you this week, as you walk out your life, whether you leave with anything today, it was that you would see Jesus more clearly than you did when you came in. That your eyes would be open, your ears would hear what he's saying to you and learning to listen to his Holy Spirit and learn to lean into him and on him. Amen? Man, I think it's such a privilege, such an opportunity. Those verses just resonate with me. Man, not even kings have seen what you see. Not even kings. Is that incredible? That's incredible. Royalty, all these things. You're seeing stuff that's never been seen before. And I believe God's going to show you more and more as you walk out this life with him. Verse 25, the parable of the good Samaritan. Let's pray. We can't have enough of that. So, Father, we love you. Jesus, would you be on, our, on my lips today, Father, and would you um, open ears to see truth? Father, I pray that, there, that all truth that is God-breathed from this scripture would be um, just imparted into us today. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 25, and behold, a lawyer. I, I wanted J. Tom to preach this because he is a lawyer. 
and a lawyer and a pastor, which is like, man, just the worst of both worlds, you know? It's just crazy. I mean, there's more lawyer jokes and pastor jokes than any other, and you decided to step in both fields. So congratulations, my man. I think you can handle it. So if you want to tell J. Tom a lawyer joke, go ahead and Google one. Um, go up to him after service. Please do that. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Don't you hate the people who are always trying to test you and trap you with a question? I hate those people. I love Jesus because Jesus is so patient. If anything we learn from this passage is that Jesus entertains this man who's trying to test him and be antagonistic. And, and I am the chief antagonist, right? Because I love to antagonize. And most of the time, here's the key. If you want to just, if you want to get an antagonist, just ask a question right back to him. Verse 26, he said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? A great question for this antagonist. How do you read it? You tell me, verse 27, and he answered, you shall love your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. What an exceptional answer by this lawyer. You know, and typically when you talk to lawyers, they talk forever. But, but this lawyer, he actually summed up the whole law into exactly what Jesus ends up quoting later on in Scripture. That, that this lawyer knew, knew the commandments. He knew this law. He knew what it would take. But he, verse 29, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? A man who feels the need so deeply to justify himself is a good indicator that he is missing the mark. If you have to justify yourself, if you have to, if you have to bring this clarification, always justify. It's typically because you've fallen short. You're, you're missing the mark. And the lawyer realized that, that I'm missing the mark. Because if I were to hold to this law to love my neighbor and to love God with all these things, surely I won't do it. Surely I'm going to fall short. And so, so maybe there's, there's a loophole in the law, right? Isn't that what lawyers do? I'm just kidding, man. There's a lot of lawyers in here. And so, sorry, we love you. We love you. We really do. Thank you, Justice. So, trying to justify himself. And Jesus so patiently, once again, begins to break it down into a story. And this is what I love about Jesus is that he oftentimes relates to us through stories, through modern day parables, but parables of the day where he would bring it out so that he would paint the picture for this man, this lawyer. In verse 30, Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. And now you got to think Jerusalem to Jericho that, that was basically all the land that this man probably knew. It would be like New York to L.A. It's not San Antonio to Austin. It is San Antonio to Vancouver. It is all the land that I know. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed on the other side. Dang pastors, man. But they're verse 32. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by the other side. But a Samaritan. 
as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, verse 34, and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he sent him on his own animal and brought him to an end and took care of him. Verse 35, and the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think I will repay when I come back? Or which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. You go and do likewise. When it comes to this premise, when it comes to this theme, love out loud, there's a lot of things that we want to talk about over the next few weeks. The first one is this, being inconvenienced for the gospel. Being inconvenienced for the gospel. You see, there's nothing convenient about living a Christian life. There's nothing convenient about walking with Jesus. It's not a faith of convenience, being inconvenienced for the gospel. My wife and I realize this a lot. We realize this a lot through, through having people live with us. You see, since we've been married, we've been married seven years, and out of seven years, we've had eight different people live with us. And it's been amazing. So that's one every year. And when we moved to San Antonio, we realized that the gospel was going to be inconvenient. And so what we did is we were looking for a house. We were looking for a house that had a, a full bath downstairs because we knew that our parents one day would not be able to walk stairs. And so they needed a bath downstairs, a full bath downstairs to be exact. And so we were looking for that. We, we live in a, in, a, in a larger house, 2,800 square feet. That's a big house, right? That is a large house. But we knew that we needed a large house because we were going to host community groups. And, and we were going to host a community group where life change would happen and people would circle around and, and do life. We also knew that we needed a large house because there were going to be more people living in the Chapman household. If it's one every year, we know that that trend will continue. And with a church plant, it's probably going to continue even more. Now, in order to live in a 2,800 square, square foot house, takes some sacrifice, right? Because you have to pick and choose where your priorities are. And so what we chose is we chose to drive 10-year-old cars so we can live in a larger house so that we can love people in our house. That's what we chose to do. And, and the gospel is inconvenient in so many ways. Loving people is inconvenient. How many of you are on a rush every day going to work, right? Every day going to work, you're on a rush. Every day going home, you can't wait to get home. And what do you do when you see the person on the side of the road? What do you do when somebody is crying out that they need love? What do you do? The gospel is inconvenient. I was moving my parents down here to San Antonio. I'm so thankful that they're here at our church with us, doing life with us. And it's so amazing. And I was driving a big U-Haul truck. And, and this big U-Haul truck, I was driving from Midland to San Antonio. And I'm in Ozona. And as I'm sitting in Ozona on I-10, I see this guy waving a sign. And he's waving it frantically at me. And he looks like the happiest guy in the whole world. And all I wanted to do is make it home to my wife and my son, go lay on the couch, and watch some TV. Amen, anybody? Is there a couple of amens out there? That's all I want to do. I mean, please, please, guy with a sign, can you just put it down while I'm at the stoplight? Please just let me pass on by because if I were to pass on by, my life would be so much more convenient. 
But instead, Frank caught my attention. As I see Frank holding this sign, I, I wave him over. And I, I get him in the truck. And he gets in the truck. And, and we start chatting up. And he's headed to Houston, Texas. He goes, where are you headed? I go, I'm going to San Antonio. He goes, that'll do. Can you take me to the truck stop? I said, I have two and a half hours. Why not? So I take Frank with me into the U-Haul, and we begin to go on our way. Now, of course, I send a picture, a selfie with me and Frank as though we're best friends, but, but really incognito to my wife just in case I go missing, that they would know Frank, what Frank looks like. It's amazing. Frank and I have an amazing conversation. Man, I hear about how he's a truck driver and how he's taking care of his kids and how he lives in Houston, Texas, and man, he's... He's loving Jesus and just trying to figure out what that looks like. We were able to share stories and interact. And, and, and I took Frank and, and we stopped at the, the truck stop in Junction. And I was thinking maybe he would just, you know, mosey on and find a trucker. No, no. Frank went inside, bought a charger for his phone and hopped right back in my truck, which was awesome. And, man, we had a good time. We went all the way to San Antonio. We dropped off the U-Haul. And then I took him to the south side to to the truck stop, and I dropped him off, and man, Frank was elated that day that he met me, and more importantly, I was elated that I met Frank. You never know, like, when, when you're inconvenienced for the gospel and when you stop, what God may do in that conversation and in that relationship. It doesn't sh sh tell us, it doesn't say what happens between this Samaritan and this man beaten on the side of the road. I don't know if they kindled a friendship. I don't know what kind of stories they shared. I don't know what happened, but I do know that this man was moved enough to take care of him and make sure every need was met. He gave him two denarii, which was enough for a few weeks stay in the inn. He was coming back to check on him, and I believe with such integrity to stop that he had the integrity to come back. It's amazing what happens. And I think for us, we have to not only be intentional, but we have to be lookers. We're going to love out loud. We have to be lookers. We have to look for people in need. We have to look for the man beaten on the road. We have to be lookers. And in fact, isn't that what our Savior did? In Luke 19, 10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. This story is, this verse is right after the story when Jesus was a looker. You see, he wasn't just looking ahead, but he was looking side to side, and he was also looking up where he saw Zacchaeus in a sycamore tree. And he said, come down, Zacchaeus. Come down, Zacchaeus. I'm coming to your house. Jesus modeled being a looker. And not only do we need to be a looker, but we got to be a lover. We have to look and love. We have to look and love. We have to have compassion. This is what I love about the story of the Good Samaritan is that he had compassion. He was filled with love in so many ways. He was filled with love. When I was maybe 12 years old, I don't recall, but audio adrenaline. Does anybody remember audio A? Yeah. Yeah, every non-Christian in here, those have been saved the last three years, like, what? My wife's like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Audio adrenaline, man. It was amazing. They come up with this song, and this song was so epic to me. And what I love about song is song captivates your heart. It captivates your heart, and there's nothing like a 12-year-old who listens to music. It's, it's, it's why when the worship team comes up here and they play songs, 
Their, their hoping and their prayer is that their musicianship and their songship and their heart and passion would be conveyed so much to Luminous Church that Luminous, it would, it would start beating inside of them where it would want to come out and would motivate them for the rest of the week to keep Jesus first. It's why when they were singing out these lyrics, how great are you, God? I just hope, I hope Kyle gets that today. I hope that Kyle understands that God is so great, and I hope he comes in and he starts chanting the anthem. It's why musicians exist, and it's why Audio A exists. And check out this song that I listened to when I was 12 years old. Yes. Who wants to be hands and feet? How many of you were singing that? Did you get the jig? Come on, man. That's the 90s. Wake up, somebody. Man, when I was 12 years old, I remember screaming that at the top of my lungs. I remember going to Sweetwater, Texas, and their audio is playing. And man, everybody, everybody is, I want to be your hands. I want to be your feet. I want to go where you send me. I want to touch the world like you touch my life. And if your life's been touched in a great way, you want to touch the world in a significant way. And that was my prayer at 12 years old. And you know what? My prayer hasn't changed. I still sing that song over and over in my head. I want to be your hands. I want to be your feet. I'll go where you send me. That day when I met Frank, that's where God was sending me. And I believe that God is sending you to many places, but it is hard to love your neighbor. Because when you look at your neighbor, it's overwhelming. There's so much need, right, church? There's so much need. There's so many people to help. In fact, what we do is we look at the need and we get overwhelmed and we just shut down. But the great quote is, do for one that you wish you could do for all. Do for one that you wish you could do for all. Love one person. Change one life. Be the hands and feet with one person and watch what God will do. It's why we open our home to people. And we're not going to be able to open our home to everyone. But we're going to do for one. 
We're going to love for one. We're going to be for one. And that's what I want for us, church. I want us to be for one. I want us to be a church that loves in amazing ways. And this last few weeks, there was a shot heard around the world. You may remember this, the shot heard around the world caused an American Revolutionary War. We heard about that. But there was a shot heard around the world. And if you've been watching the news, it was a shot. It was a photograph of Ilan Kurdi. Ilan Kurdi was three years old. Three years old in Syria, and he was escaping amazing persecution, everything that's been happening. And the shot heard around the world showed a three-year-old boy in a red T-shirt washed upon shore on a beach. And as he's sitting there, it woke up the world that, that we need to be the hands and feet of Jesus in so many ways. We need to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Matthew 25, 35 would say this. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. The church has always answered the call. Always answered the call for humanity. Has always answered the call not to just that life matters. But life matters with Jesus. And so let me grab a life and share Jesus with you. There's amazing things happening in Syria, and I think this is the practical application for us. And I'm going to explain. I'm going to show you three videos. The first one is a video of the white helmets. So what happens in Syria right now, there are over 11 million people displaced, 4 million refugees flooding Europe, so many millions coming over, escaping bombings, and they're, they're willing to sacrifice their life on small boats and anything else. But the bombings have hit, and, and the shells have hit, and it's just it's been devastating. And check out what the white helmets do. في أحد الأيام تعرضت منطقة الأنصاري لقصف بالبراميل المتفجرة حسنا نطالع العائلة الأولى والعائلة الثانية العائلة الثالثة هي الأم والولد هي فعلا يعني الأم كانت كتير منفعلة عندها كتير كانت عصبية وكانت عم تصيح يعني هي خايفة على حالة أو خايفة على أبناء بعد الحفل الطويل حسنا نسمع صوت الولد صوت صار يبكي الولد حسنا نسمع صوته وكان كتير محل صعب بعد ما وصلنا لبد هون صار الشغل كتير بده حذر يعني هذا ولد عمره اسبوعين او اكثر باي لحظه بيطب شيفه او بيموت او بخلي خلطنا الساعه طبعا هي ميكنه الارض يعني عمل كتير حذر يعني هي روح بدك تتعامل معها بشكل خطير جدا يعني انه طفل عمره اسبوعين يطب فوق برميل او تلبس وفي ما يسيبوا شيء يعني وكل هالضغوطات إنه هذا الطفل يطلع أول من براميل وأول من سقوف أول من كل شيء.
What an amazing story. I remember Jay Tom shared that this week, and I just kept watching that story over and over again in tears. Over and over again in tears because, you see, I have a two-year-old boy. And I have, when, you have, when you have a boy like that, your life breaks because that could be my boy. That could be him. And this boy now has life and has a second chance because of the white helmets. What an amazing organization. This is what some of the Syrians are doing. And, and there's a family. There's a family who decided, man, there's so many people who are just putting out sea in hopes that they'll hit Europe, in hopes that they'll hit some kind of land other than their own where all this violence is taking place. And Christopher and Regina, they established Moas and they bought an $8 million yacht and their whole family set sea to rescue, rescue people and refugees. Take a look at this story. If you see somebody drowning, somebody, whoever it is, you can't turn your back on them. You need, you need to help them. Those people need help. I see children that four years old, five years old, they're supposed to play and be happy and, you know, enjoy their childhood. Instead, they are risking their life on those boats because their parents know they're either gonna make it to Europe or they're not gonna make it at all. We're definitely the first and only organization to be using drones to locate the migrant vessels in distress, which really give us an advantage over the other ships out at sea. Until that we can eradicate death at sea, we will continue our mission and we will continue working diligently to save lives at sea. Human tragedy continues to unfold in the Mediterranean Sea. Which Man, it's just powerful that they would, man, this whole family just buys a boat and just goes and starts rescuing people. How many young people are just like, I'm going to go? That would be me if I was 18. Man, there's this crazy tragedy. They, they've saved over 11,000 people on the ocean since they've been established in 2013. It's amazing what they're doing. And lastly, churches all over, all over the world are taking this Sunday to talk about this issue. And a lot of them are giving to world relief. And so this is our last video. And then I'm going to sum this up for us. Thank you. 
stand Weary traveler Searching for the way to go Stranger, heavy hearted Longing for someone you know May you find a light May you find a light May you find a light to guide you Church, I want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And so I think, you know, when you bring up such a controversial issue on the Middle East, so much controversy, and I think the world's response is war makes peace, but I believe that Jesus is the only one that brings peace. I love what Pastor Rich said a couple of weeks ago. He's not the peacekeeper, he's the peacemaker. He's given you that same ministry to make peace. We have a banner up here, and it's not just to look good or feel good about ourselves, but it says we exist as a church to release our resources. That would be our time, our talent, and our treasure to reach the campus, the community, and the world with the light of Jesus Christ. And I believe that God has allowed us and given us the opportunity to release resources to reach our neighbor. And the question that you may be asking is, who is my neighbor? Well, maybe, maybe a, a, a Syrian refugee is not my neighbor. They're so far away. Really? I mean, there's real help here, and I believe that's true. I believe you have a responsibility of giving to your local church. I believe you have a responsibility, um, first and foremost, to give to your family. I believe you have a responsibility to help in so many ways in, in this city and in your neighborhoods. But I believe as a church that we're called to reach the world. And I believe we're going to do this. And so this is what Ben Chapman's going to do. So Ben Chapman gets $20 a week to spend on whatever I want. It's my budget. It's, we have a real tight budget, not a lot of margin, and not a lot of spending money. But over the next three weeks, we're, we're going to be collecting funds for these three organizations. 20% is going to go to White Helmets. 20% is going to go to MOAS, and 60% is going to go to World Relief. And not all these are Christian organizations. So some of you are like, eh. but I believe that we're going to give with open hands and watch what God does. God's going to do amazing things. He's going to, the White Helmets Fund is to, to replace limbs that have been lost for those who are trying to find kids. 
And so that's what they do. They take care of the people wounded and actually searching for the kid. And what I thought was so appropriate about the white helmets, I believe that it was just like the Good Samaritan going over and finding the man on the road. His first responder just sitting there. And then we're going to give 28% to Moaz because why not? Because they're awesome. And they're saving people. And it's amazing. And it reminds me of the, the, the good Samaritan who not only went over as a first responder, but put him on the donkey, put him on his animal, and said, go with me. And then thirdly, we're going to give 60% to world relief because, because you know what? The good Samaritan took that man to an end, and he took care of him until he got better. And that's exactly what world relief does. They take care of refugees, provide housing, and the next step so that they can get acclimated and, and live the life that they're called to live. Live the life that they're called to live. Refugees is no unique thing to, to our day. Jesus was a refugee. Do you remember when he fled to Egypt? I wonder who the family was that financed that trip. Who the family was that opened the door to, to the Son of God. Who the family was serving him and loving him. There was a family out there. That brought Jesus in. And I believe as a church, we are to do the same thing. And so I'm taking my spending money, and my wife says I could spend that on whatever I want. So for the next three weeks, I'm going to Luminous Church. I'm going to our online giving, and I'm selecting missions. And every dollar that comes into missions is going to these three organizations. Every dollar. And I believe that with 100 people in here, it's crazy. I mean, we could provide a, 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 something amazing for someone. And I just don't want to look back and I don't want to know that Ilons are out there who should have been playing, who should have loved their life, who could have done so many things, but instead was washed up on the shore. It's an amazing story and my key and my hope is to move you emotionally this morning. That's what I want. I want an emotional response. Because until you're emotionally engaged, you won't do anything. You see, when we're, when we're just mentally engaged, we read a news article and then we move on with our life. But I believe that God has created us emotional because out of our emotions comes a response and action. And I think we have to choose that and... I believe that you should weigh this and pray about it and, and you could join me and you don't have to. You can give to something else. You can give to your neighbor next door and you can do so many things. But this is what I'm going to do to love out loud, practically. And I invite you to join me. Church, would you stand with me as I pray for you? I want to take a moment. So many things we could extrapolate from Luke, the Samaritan loving, loving the man on the road. There's a whole story, a whole story of racial tensions in this story. A whole story of, hey, that's the, the race I hate the most. And you're using that to come against me, a man who loved beyond the people I look up to. 
There's so many things we can extrapolate, but I think the biggest thing that we can take away is this. 2,000 years ago, God saw me hurting and saw me dying and saw me wounded on the side of the road. I was beat up and left for dead. But God, in his mercy and grace, sent his son Jesus to come across the road and meet me exactly where I was and to rescue me, to bandage my wounds and to make me clean. And Jesus made me new and not only did he bandage me, but he put me on his shoulders and he took me with him to a new home, to a new life, to a new end. I'm so thankful that Jesus did that. There may be some in this room who have never experienced that kind of love. We only love because Jesus first loved you and loved me. Jesus, we love you this morning. Father, we praise you. God, I sit here in emotions stirred and flared and not realizing what I should do with these but father I know that whenever emotions come out there's no better place than to run to the father to spill out our hearts so Jesus we pray God for just this epidemic that's happening around the world 11 million people displaced without a home, without a place to lay their head tonight. God, I pray that you would move by your grace and you would show up. And Jesus, I pray, Father, that we would be a people that join your hearts. God, for a world that is broken and lost and destruction is taking place. And Jesus, I pray that you would save lives and share the gospel. Jesus, the gospel has life so father thank you for that and lord as we as a church have decided together to give money to love out loud with action and deed i pray god that you would give us wisdom wisdom on how to directly give that money and lord we just thank you for these three organizations we pray you bless them God, the white helmets, a bunch of Muslims who are trying to save their people. Bless them. Bless them, Jesus. Bless them. God, for a family who gave up their way of life to set sail to save people, bless them. Father, for world relief. God, who oversees millions of dollars, bless them and give them wisdom. We love you today. We praise you today. Jesus, let us love out loud as we leave this sanctuary today in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, church, can we give God a big hand for being amazing? If you need prayer for anything, anything on your way out, we would, we would ask that you would, you would come up to the altar and get prayer on your way out. If you have any questions on this particular project and what we're doing, please email me, ben at luminouschurch.org. I'd love to give you more information and bring more clarity. We love you. 
Have an amazing day. Next week, Pastor Daniel Hernandez will be here from Mid-Cities in Espanol bringing the word. We will also be commissioning Austin Fontenot as a minister in the ministry as he reaches UTSA. And so we're so excited. It's going to be a special service next week. So we'd love to see you. Have a great day.